Welcome to the Hotsy Totsy podcast. Hotsy Totsy is a membership club for women from all walks of life who like the finer things in life to come together and enjoy bespoke events in the magical nooks and crannies of London town, all with an Art Deco nod. This podcast will introduce you to some amazing and like-minded characters who love the golden 20s and 30s era and Art Deco movement as much as we do, as well as profile our wonderful Hotsy Totsy members. In this episode, I am thrilled to be joined by two amazing guests. Firstly, Lucy Inskip, who is the London representative of the Art Deco Society UK. Lucy talks to us all about what the Art Deco Society is, its range of incredible events, as well as her personal love of all things Art Deco. We are then joined by Hotsy Totsy Lisa Conway-Hughes, a financial expert who is also known as Miss Lolly. Lisa is passionate about making financial education open to all and taking the jargon out of the financial world. Hello. So I am really, really excited. I do. I know I say this all the time, but I'm genuinely really excited to be joined today by the lovely Lucy Inskip, who is the London representative for the Art Deco Society UK. Um, now, if you have seen the Hotsy Totsy website, you'll know that we are partnering with the wonderful Art Deco Society UK for a very, very special event on the 5th of October. So more on that very soon. But Lucy, hi. Hello, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure, my love. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to chat to me. So Art Deco Society UK, some people might be like, what's that? What is it? It's a great question. I'll tell you what it is. Um, so it's the um, official UK society for lovers of art deco design um, across the British Isles. Um, it's a not-for-profit organisation. Um, and I guess you could say it's dedicated to exploring all manifestations of interwar styles. Um, we run monthly um, online events, mainly webinars, which are organised by our board. And then we've also got lots of in-person events now, increasingly after COVID, which is really exciting, kind of more local in-person um, events that are organised by our regional reps, of which I am one. And that's kind of more walking tours, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, essentially we're the Art Deco Society in the UK um, to bring all those people together. So Lucy, what has been your involvement in the Art Deco Society? How did you get involved? How long have you been the London rep? That's a great question as well. So I had to have a quick look at this before I came on just to double check if you asked me. So I'm glad I did. Um, so I, it's all a bit of a blur, I think, with COVID and one thing and another, but a bit a bit of context, I guess. So I worked in um, Heritage for about a year or so um, after I graduated from university. I'd done a history degree as well. So it's always been kind of part and, part and parcel of that. Um, and I think because of that, I was disproportionately a member of lots of different heritage arts organisations. And obviously, as I'm, I'm here today, Art Deco is kind of at the top of that. Um, so I joined the Art Deco Society, I think probably as a member in August 2020. And then I started off as the East Anglia Regional Representative. And that was from about December 2020 to November 2022. Um, I moved from home in Cambridgeshire to London. Um, and then I became the London Regional Rep. I kind of moved over in November 2022. So I've been doing it since then. And then, yeah, kind of the local face of Art Deco Society in, in London, which is a, a rather big area to cover. But I'm sure some of my other regional reps have got even larger geographical areas to cover too um so yeah that's been my involvement really since then fabulous and you know it's such a wonderful organization society and you know i i love being a member and seeing all the incredible events and and 
and things that you put on I think it's it's so brilliant because art deco is so you know it's still such a force isn't it people still absolutely adoring it. it never seems to go out of fashion in our favor do you find that as well yeah, I do. And I was having a little think about that, actually, before this. Um, and I had a, yeah, a few things to, I guess, to contribute, really. But I think yeah, the relevance of, of Art Deco seems to be rather enduring. And I guess because it, it physically lives on in so many ways in the music that we listen to, you know, the entertainment we watch, the fashions we wear, the attractions we visit, buildings we walk past, um, even, I guess, kind of products we buy to some extent. And I think within that too that it's sometimes it's original art deco and then indeed there's so many interpretations of that and you know intersections with different periods and disciplines and I think another thing I I guess came to mind is quite simply just the sheer number of art deco venues and experiences even that seems to be a real uh, thing that's come into into fashion over the last couple of years those kind of more immersive experiences you have the kind of big names like you know Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club and we have like Brasserie Zadell in London and in, in Central and all of those places have either a, a rather big or at least a small nod um, to to that period so I think it's not only a, a kind of yeah an enduring love of whatever that represents and means to certain people and also just indeed it's it's still part of rather authentically or as you know a source of inspiration for a lot of you know what we do kind of socially and otherwise in, in many ways and it seems to always be part of those you know well you know why do we have art deco experiences rather than you know something from a different period and obviously we do have those too but it seems to be yeah enduring in that way I think yeah I completely agree and and, you know I'd like to hear your take on it because I'm a a big art deco lover and I think it's you know it harks back to those golden times of of beauty and sparkle and and decadence and for women especially it was their emergence into being free and to doing what they'd like to do and have choice and I think that's really appealing to a lot of people and I think for me that's why I gravitate towards it because it is a bit decadent and it's beautiful and it's it's um you know it makes you feel you know premium and prominent as it were um do you think that's why people still really fall for art deco and really want to get involved still yeah no i think you, you know, you've really tapped into something there and i think uh, it's, it's really it is a tricky one i think in some ways i guess personally coming at it from like originally i guess a more like academic historical perspective from university and then beyond that even um but then i think i think the one thing to point out quite early on just quickly going back to the kind of art deco society linked to that and then i'll answer that question a little bit more um fully is that i think the, the main thing that's maybe personally struck me with this in the context of the Art Deco Society and indeed I think something that they have really tried to actively push as well as a society is that the approach is an inclusive one that it's not constrained by I guess academic notions of what Art Deco is what that means I mean ultimately one would hope and want to I guess represent the lived experience of all different people that lived in this period and I think sometimes for better or for worse there's probably a certain romanticism with the period And I think for good reason too. And I don't think that's necessarily a a bad thing or something to not celebrate. And I think uh, with the Art Deco Society and and I think a lot of people's love and appreciation and indeed, as I've mentioned, all these other kind of events and venues and experiences, it's a real, I guess, celebration of that. Um, I think there's still an acknowledgement of all parts of that period that can't be forgotten as such. But I think for for the purposes of this and for the benefit of this, I think that there's, as you say, this kind of culture, this world, whatever that kind of means to people universally is why there's such a draw 
war. I mean, there's a kind of lovely, clean aesthetic and that kind of sophistication, I guess, that it exudes of that period. I love the kind of like the crisp lines, you know, geometric patterns and sunbursts and colours. And I think the fact that Art Deco can, um, as I said, lots of different periods, but particularly this one, um, at least in, in my case and a lot of others, that it can manifest itself in so many different ways, whether that be, you know, architecture and art design, ceramics, interiors, uh, fashion, film, furniture, whatever. Um, so I, I think... I don't know if that quite answered your question. I'm sorry, Karen, but I think it's something to bear in mind too. That, And I don't think that's necessarily what the society is trying to do specifically. And indeed, then people's love of that period. I think there is a romanticism with it, but to some extent, I think for, for good enough reason. And there's so many, as you say, you know, more contextually what was going on during that period for particular groups of people is, is worth, uh, I guess, at least flagging as well in, in this instance. Absolutely. And it was a... Uh very tricky time and a very wonderful time depending on what scale you're on wasn't it let's be honest you know with your society you've got hundreds of members which is incredible and I imagine they all come from different walks of life different ages different interests and like you were saying I think the interpretation is so personal of what art deco means to you you know there's not one size fits all here is it? it's how you enjoy it. it's how you gravitate towards it you know like you said it could be the the architecture or the the literature or the you know the clothing or whatever um but you know it is very much romanticized which i i love and it is the the go-to isn't it for like you were saying the immersive experiences the the the, the restaurants the bars the decor um and i think there's seems to be more of an emergence of that more than than ever especially in London what what do you think yeah no definitely as I said that's really come onto my radar I mean evidently the social media algorithms are working because I seem to get all sorts pop up on my feeds for this that and the other um but as I say so yeah some of my favorite venues in London are at least as I say a nod to that anyway um and I mean yeah you've obviously got the different places that have maybe had a, a resurgence in the last couple of years we've obviously got Battersea Power Station that's had a massive um, redevelopment project um and that's always been somewhere that I've enjoyed to you know to, to go and visit anyway but that's had a real i think they've got like the i haven't actually been recently which is a terrible really um but i must go that's on the list there's too many that's the thing um and i think they've got the you know the old control room there that's maybe made into a bar and you can see this kind of marrying of worlds for kind of i guess yeah historical but also then practical purposes um i mean i can list a few that i enjoy going to but there's all sorts i mean there's like there's a garden cinema in and covent garden which is uh opened more recently and again that's you know like championing independent cinema as well as also being an art deco venue that one can go and visit um yeah there's so, there's so much and there's so many i mean even on, on my bucket list as i say and i'm sure on so many others we have other places there's elfin palace and kind of greater london and then obviously beyond london there's a myriad of more but then you, you've got the kind of lidos the the tube stations um the list goes on but no definitely in terms of the of the kind of yeah the experiences and the venues i think that's always been uh, popular and even like i remember at university you know you have you, or and anywhere really you know socially otherwise you have parties and that always seems to be thrown into the hat as a theme you know an art deco party and um you know dressing up in your kind of what you know flapper dresses or whatever and um i remember even when i went to my um my prom in year 11 um and we were very lucky through a, a connection ended up 
managing to travel in I think it was like a 1936 Buick which obviously slightly later from the period I mean it only went about 30-40 miles an hour so we held up most of the traffic on the way which is quite funny in itself um but yeah it's just the way that it kind of pops up in in one's life and I think it continues to yeah to do so and, and be part of what people are. and as I say yeah going back to that again and it's only one kind of very small part of the picture but you do see these things pop up on social media for example and then it's always intriguing to you know look at the comments and the amount of people you know tagging each other and their friends saying oh let's go to this this looks really interesting so I think it it holds something for lots of different people and as I say I think the main thing with the Art Deco Society for example um, I think it's really important as is maybe not the case with some other societies and indeed very much the case too a lot of the time and I think as what they all aspire to do is that they are you know the words inclusive and accessible and, and uh, often banded around quite a lot but I think in this particular instance it really means that you shouldn't feel barred from getting involved just because you don't hold you know a degree in art deco or I'm not going to sit here now and go through everything that happened I mean I hope that's not the next question because I won't <laughs> be able to answer it but I think it's that point I think you know you access it at any level and in any way you want to I completely and completely agree and it's so wonderful that you have opened the doors in that capacity because as you say some societies are a little bit elitist shall we say and you need to you know be able to you know quote war and peace about the certain period before they'll they'll take you seriously whereas this is just if you've got a natural love and affinity with art deco you are absolutely welcome and you will be treated with open arms which i really really appreciate um for hotsy totsy um we do a lot of um, in-person events we do only in-person events and we also look for like for like venues that have that art deco nod etc we've been really lucky we've done an event at the garden cinema which is an incredible um independent cinema you're absolutely right beautiful building and you know for us it's this ethos that you know the inspiration behind hotsy totsy was the fact that during that time the emergence of women was big and women for the first time really had this freedom to do what they wanted in terms of their personal life you know wear the hair like they wanted to you know choose who they wanted to go out with where they drank where they if they drank at all where they danced who they frequented as it were um and it also was this seemed to be this resurgence in freedom and rebellion and you know women really coming to the fore and sadly a few generations later they sort of had to go back down again with the war and everything but do you find that as well and have you got any sort of women of that time that you sort of look up to admire or is it just as the generation as a whole um yeah oh again I, i'm sure there's lots of people and I'm probably one of those things i'll come off of this and kick myself all the names i should and could have said um but i think one I, from a, looking at it from a, all the different women and their roles i mean as I say, maybe more politically aside in this instance, but even the performers coming through, the likes of like Ella Fitzgerald has always been a, a real favourite um, and, and reminds me of my, my granddad and uh, yeah, absolutely adore her. I don't think that's necessarily quite in the vein of what you were talking about there in terms of, you know, the lots of figures that one could um, speak of and speak to here. Um, but I think maybe I'm looking at it again through the lens of, of things that I've kind of been on recently and that I've seen, but um, we had the um, London's Lost Department Stores webinar actually last week. And I think I was really struck there by kind of what I was alluding to earlier about the different um, people I guess that then they're trying to capture their stories from what is what can sometimes I guess be seen as a kind of generalized period and what that represented and evidently that yeah that lived experiences is, is 
quite varied and i think within that it was really interesting to see this kind of new or new of sorts um kind of i guess almost like social arena of the of the department store which was really quite cool of uh, a place where i guess women for example would go and have a degree of kind of i guess almost agency in, in that space and again i'm speaking about women of a certain um social standing uh, in some instances but then also um there was i think a, a bit in, in that talk, which was, as I say, kind of front of mind, I think, because it had been so recent, um, around the um, workers in Selfridges, for example. And um, Harry Selfridge was very concerned about the fact that those you know, kind of shop girls would be uh, treated on a, a you know a, a certain level, I guess, and that they would be respected for their role within that, um, that kind of world, I guess, that they'd created. Um, so I think kind of agency and, I guess, uh, negotiating power could come in a, in a myriad of ways, maybe beyond um, just political too. So it's maybe a bit off the wall answer potentially that I'm not coming to you with the with the kind of names one would think of. But I think that's another interesting angle of where one can carve out um, one's own yeah space and, and agency within the environments that they either already existed in or are continuing to kind of emerge into. I think that kind of space for me is particularly interesting, and I think there's lots of opportunities for that um, in the 20s and indeed obviously other periods too. Um, but yeah, yeah, and also, as I say, yeah, kind of some of the, the bigger names that really made their um, stake in that time um, and doing what they loved too. I think that's worth celebrating. Absolutely, and big fan of Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah, yeah. I know. I just had to throw her in there. I was like, I can't oh, mention gosh. her. I mean, but what what a woman! You know, I was in um, Harlem recently and I visited where she played and where she, you know, and it was just incredible. I mean, that woman went against every status quo going, didn't she? And, and did so with aplomb and, you know, did incredible things. And like you were saying, it was interesting you mentioned the Selfridges thing because, you know, there were there were allies within that world, male allies quite a lot of the time that really helped women find their status and their feet and the respect that they deserved, which is worth mentioning as well. It wasn't just, you know, men v women at that point, was it? It was, you know, men who were in tune and clever and understood the value of these women were supporting them and raising their status in that way, which was, you know, very much worth mentioning. So we are very excited. We're going to be doing an event with you. I'm very excited. 5th of October, um, we're going to be having a wonderful event with with drinks and nibbles and speakers, some speakers from the Art Deco Society UK. And it's going to be fantastic. So it's going to be for people from Hotsy Totsy, people from the Art Deco Society. And we're going to come together in a fabulous London venue, TBC, that we are in negotiation. Well, I'm in very much negotiation. With <laughs> but hopefully while the time this comes out, it'll all be sorted. Um, and it'll be a fantastic event. And I just, I'm so excited to meet some of your members, you know, to talk to them about this period and to, to hear personal stories about their love of it and why they've joined the Art Deco Society and, and what it means to them. I think, you know, it is that it's a real love, isn't it? It's a real passion project. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely, completely agree with that. And I think that's what's so lovely to bring those kind of groups of people together. Um, and I think, again, I, I keep using this as a kind of a theme, but I think it's really important to drill home. But that I think ultimately, what the at least right now and indeed what that was based on when we were founded in 2019 um, where there wasn't previously kind of a, an obvious art deco society in the uk kind of now part of this um it's icad so the you know international coalition of art deco societies we've got you know one in new york lots of other places too um and i think with part of that the 
the aim has always been to advance Art Deco based on people's enthusiasm. And at the same time, obviously, we can drive that as regional reps and, and then the board too. But at the same time, I mean, it's always a little bit chicken and egg with these things, but we want to be doing what our members want and then ideally then to continue to attract members that want to keep doing what they want to do. And it's very much because of them and for them as much as anything and to bring that community together um, for like, you know, a broad scope of subjects and activities. Um, so I think this one is particularly lovely, I think, in, the, in being able to meet lots of others too. And I think as I said, for me, that's been the real um, the real pro, I guess, and maybe a little bit of a surprise, as you say, when you maybe join these kinds of societies and not you know never really quite sure um, how things work, how things are done. Um, and as I say, for me, I've been really struck. And indeed, the best example where it really did hit home. The other event, I was uh, very lucky. I got involved in and organised. We did a, um, I think it was oh, it feels a little while ago now, a few months ago. We did a, a private tour of the um, Noel Coward archives, which was fantastic. I mean, it was only ten people because the room's very small and, and that's you know open to the public you can you can book in and visit which is fantastic but we took a group there and it was the first in-person event I'd been to with the Art Deco and obviously also run um, and that was just wonderful we had people that had come from outside of London too which was a surprise to me and it was so you know I guess humbling really that they'd wanted to come into London for a few of them it had maybe been um, one of the first times they'd been um, back in or at least regularly um, and that was fantastic just to hear from them and, and to see them engaging with that and to also to engage with each other other in, in no other world did they necessarily have met um, and the webinars that we do are absolutely fantastic but the the nature of obviously a zoom webinar for example is that you're not going to see and, and talk to others in quite the same way like it was great last week with the with the department store talk that we had the chat open and people could share their experiences that was really lovely people saying you know my my mum was you know working here in x time or i used to do this that and the other um but I think that was I was really struck by that. And indeed, then it was really encouraging those people to put forward what they would like to do and what they would like to be part of and the places they'd like to visit and see. And um, and I think watching all of those people share that together and almost step back from that was really like, wow, this is really fantastic. If, if all that we are is just a space for that, I think that's a huge thing to celebrate, let alone everything else that we're doing. And the same with with Hotsy Totsy and, and bridging that um, gap, I guess, and getting our members talking, I think, is, is something worth celebrating. Definitely. It's, it's a real magic thing isn't it bringing people together in person there's a different energy and a different connection it, it's it's really fabulous to see so I'm so glad that went well that sounds absolutely brilliant oh my goodness I'd love to have gone to that um so we are having to come to an end sadly but I want to to end with how can people get involved you know people might not have heard about you and want to you know find out get get joining get to these incredible events how can they find you? Well, they are always welcome. Um, so we've got the, the website, artdecosociety.uk. Um, we're on social media too. Um, we're on Twitter and um, on Facebook, I believe. Actually, we might, I think we might be on Instagram too. I'm not on Instagram myself, but we are. Yes, we are indeed. So you can find us on all three of those. Um, but the main thing, I think, first point of reference is to, is to go to our website, as I say, artdecosociety.uk, um, and you can join us there. Very easy to join. You've just got a join tab at the top. Um, you can find a little bit more about us as well if you want to know before you sign up and we've got some articles on there actually quite a lot of articles now on all sorts of topics written by uh, i think by some of the reps by our board by members that have been submitted indeed you can submit your own too we're always looking for more um, we've got a list of events on there a bit about our heritage at risk that's one bit i hadn't touched on we've now got a preservation
preservation committee, um, obviously buildings and, and, and Art Deco heritage that might be at risk is something that we're a bit more involved in now than before, which is great. Um, indeed, a bit more about the society, about the board, about the regional reps like me, um, ways to get in contact, as I say, beyond what I've already mentioned and my lack of knowledge of social media, evidently. And then otherwise, um, as a kind of final plug, really, so membership is only £15 per year, which is fantastic. Um, you get an Art Deco pin, a welcome pack, um, hopefully a postcard, I think. Um, and then otherwise you get the main, I guess, draw really is discounted tickets to our events. And as I mentioned, one of them, you know, we periodically also have kind of private events too, owing to numbers for our members, you get priority. Um, we send out a monthly newsletter, which is packed full of all different events and articles, things going on, um, different buildings that maybe might be at risk in the area. And yeah, that's about it, really. It's a really lovely group of people who are all really united by something that they hold dear. Um, and I think that's something really worth um, getting involved in. If that sounds like your cup of tea. Um, yeah. And as I say, any level of interest, um, absolutely no academic background required, um, the more the merrier. So yeah, that's pretty much the, that's the pitch, I'd say. That was a, an absolutely brilliant pitch. And honestly, for £15 a year, it's, it's absolutely incredible. I'm, I'm looking at my pin now. I have it on my board, looking at me but it's um it's you, the variety of events is so brilliant and you know it's things that you maybe think oh I don't know if that would be interesting to me they you can learn so much can't you and it's like my goodness it's you can just sort of dabble to with in different elements which I find really exciting so thank you for, for organizing all this and thank you for taking the time to just be our London representative and you know it's not just London based there's representatives all over the UK isn't there so I'm sure there's something going on wherever you are so do do get involved but Lucy we can't wait to host our event with you thank you so much for taking the time to join us today I really really love talking to you and everyone get joining the Art Deco Society my goodness <laughs> absolutely you said it first thank you so so much for having me Karen I really really appreciate it it's been Pleasure. lovely to chat to you see you very soon thank absolutely. you bye hello I am so chuffed on the Hotsy Totsy podcast to be joined by one of our incredible Hotsy Totsiers who has been such a support from the very beginning and who is a wonderful woman to boot, the fabulous Lisa Conway Hughes, who is a financial advisor. Now, if you don't follow Lisa on Instagram, and she's also known as Miss Lolly, she is a wealth of information, of tips, of insight, and she relays it in layman terms, in terms of the fact that you can understand it and talks you through it so it's not scary and it's accessible. And she specifically works with women about you know muddling through the financial the financial world which can be really daunting so hello Lisa how are you hello and thanks for having me it's an absolute pleasure it's an absolute pleasure so tell us for people that don't know lovely you a bit about yourself yeah so I joined financial services when I sort of set my second job out of uni and um, I didn't intend it to be a career forever <laughs> It was something to pay back my debt, really, and I thought I'll deal with, I'll deal with what I want to do for my career after. I'll just take this job and sort my life out, and then figure it out. And I really hadn't expected that financial advice would be something that I would really love. Essentially, it's just talking to people and getting a really good understanding about what they want to achieve out of life and helping them achieve it from a money point of view. So I think it's really well suited to women's natural skill sets. Like you have to really be personable, get to know everyone, whereas I'd expected it to be spreadsheets and be quite dull. Um, and don't get me wrong, it does have its moments. But I think overall, um, yeah, that's why I joined financial services. Didn't expect to stick with it. But I think the thing that never sat right with me was it felt like 
it was an industry that was always get, trying to change me, that I needed to speak differently, I needed to act differently, I needed to have a really posh pen and cufflinks. And um, it just didn't feel right. So then I started to think, well, actually, I'm not going to conform. I'm going to set up a blog. And I set up the blog anonymously initially um, under the name of Miss Lolly. And it was all about um, giving in financial information in a way that people actually wanted to receive it, hopefully, and in a way that they could understand. And within a week, it just went really quite crazy. I, I got an article in the FT. They called it Good Golly Miss Lolly. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yes. And then, um, and then I went to two photo shoots um, with Daily Mail and The Sun, and it just really went from there. Um, and so now I don't really do a blog anymore. It's just me d doing Instagram reels. But I try to do an almost daily tip on things you probably didn't know about money. Because I, I just have a feeling if you learn a teeny bit every day, that knowledge will compound over time. Absolutely. And I think what you've done is, is absolutely fabulous because... I think there is that massive preconception when you say financial services of men, like you're saying, in suits, getting drunk after work, all a bit jolly hockey sticks, and it's all a bit like boys club. And for you to infiltrate that and recognise that, that need in the market and not conform, I think must have been really quite, quite brave. Do you remember the moment where you thought, mm, I'm not going to join this, I'm going to go my own way? Or was it just this natural thing within you? Well, I think... I think on the outside, I look really soft. And inside, I'm really not soft at all. I think they saw someone who looked soft on the outside with a... Then I had a much higher pitch voice than I do now. I don't know what's happened. <laughs> You've gone down an octave, love. And, and I think at the beginning, a lot of people in the office did everything they could to make my life really difficult. Um, they de definitely weren't helping me. I got told that I was brought in to marry one of the partners. Oh, I didn't realise we were recruiting blondes today. Um, numerous att romantic attempts, which um, if they'd looked in the mirror, they'd realise they shouldn't bother. <laughs> um, and, and so I think once, once they'd realised that um, I, I wasn't soft inside and I wasn't breaking and they weren't going to make me cry. Um, I think I've gained their respect. And then people did actually start to help me in the industry, which was really nice. Yeah, But it's almost, isn't it sad that you have to prove yourself in that capacity in the first place? And this is not just your industry. It's many industries where women are trying to, you know, make their mark or, or be, you know, that report was out today about the, the cricket world, wasn't there? That is just horrifying reading. Um, and it is that thing, you know, why should you have to go through that quite traumatic experiences and, you know, have that suit of armour on yourself, arguably? Because, you know, when you're not having the best day, that could upset you and that could throw you off kilter a little bit, couldn't it? And it's it's deeply unfair. But then I imagine the satisfaction of when you not only join it, but you, you know, supersede them must be very sort of uh, satisfactory. <laughs> it is an... And I do have to say that that was, an, I suppose, a company culture of the company that I was at at the time. I don't think it was only that company um, that had that kind of culture, but there are some good eggs in my industry um, that, you know, we're always trying to recruit women into those good eggs, whether it's where I work now or, or the, the other ones that are out there. I think it's important 
now to know that the industry is moving on, although really slowly. Definitely. And, and, you know, having people like you that have got that platform now, people want that aspiration, don't they? They want to see what people like themselves, that they can they can be like you and go towards that. And, and what made you want to start the blog? You obviously had a lot to say, but we're not quite comfortable putting your name above the door at that time. Yeah, I wasn't really allowed to put my name on it. Um, and perhaps foolishly or I don't know, naively, I always did all of those things, like including my book. It was a, I guess you're going to say no if I do it. So <laughs> I'll just do it. And then you can tell me off afterwards. Um, and so see, you've got to be quite, com- I, I work in a compliant industry. So I learn. I, I had to learn what to say and what you can't say and have to learn not to give advice and just to give financial education. Um, but it it is just learning to chat about money um, in a way that people understand. So I think what made me want to do it was I was brought into that very first company to literally cold call for 10 hours a day and to find them clients. And I realized that I was actually really good at it, but it was quite soul destroying to be on on the phone and being told no a hundred times a day for everyone that you got. And so I realized I, I can't build a business like that. I can't build a client. If I'm going to build a client base for anyone, it's got to be for me. And so after a couple of years on the job, I decided right that I, I'm, I'm going to really focus on my education. So I got all my exams and I got them really quickly. And at the same time, I thought, well, how am I going to get my clients? Because I'm not going to cold call that. Well, fortunately, it's banned now. You're not allowed to do that. Right. Um, but how am I going to get my clients? And so I thought really doing a blog and having a media presence would be the way to attract clients to me rather than for me continually having to turn that wheel, generate clients, which distracts you and takes away time from the, the main job. Absolutely. And I think that model is so successful it's like you build the 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 mountain for them to come don't you and you make that profile known and you obviously just struck us such a chord at that time didn't you that you you know you were so a, a breath of fresh air and people gravitated towards that because it can almost be too um, complicated for its own good, can't it? Where people are sort of wading through treacle to find out what they actually need and they give up or they feel stupid or they can't understand it. And for you to be able to translate all that and, and you know, really hone it down to what people need is so refreshing. Um, what's been, you know, the, the biggest wins for you along this way and sort of forming your own business and your own clients? Like, you know, looking back at you on that first day going, I'm just going to pay my debts off. <laughs> And then, in fact, you're annoying me so much, I'm going to stay in this industry for a time. <laughs> I'm going to prove you wrong, all you men. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what I'm really bad at is um, taking a step back and appreciating my big wins. Like, last week, I just took on my wealthiest client ever, which even three or four years ago would have been, um, I never would have thought people with that wealth would come to me I don't know why I just thought I was in a set zone and anyway this lovely lovely lady with a ginormous amount of money picked me over all the different advisors that she spoke to and I was realizing last Friday I didn't actually take a moment to actually celebrate because I think it's not the fact that she's got loads of money it's the fact that I broke my own mental ceiling that I want I should take time to really 
um, be grateful for. And I think that's what's always happened along the way that, yeah, I need, I need to really celebrate the wins. But if I look back on the wins that I probably didn't celebrate, they were like getting my um, exams done really quickly. I was one of the youngest um, members of the PFS to get the fellowship. And, and I suppose going independent and just having the, the guts to jump ship and set up in a way that felt true to me um, was a big thing. And then now I, I, I was listening to a podcast this week, which was talking about how financial advisors need to spend at least five grand a month on lead generation. Those lead generations, that amount of money should give you about 40 leads, which should result in about two clients. And um, I thought, actually, I'm going to give myself a silent pat on the back for that because through um, the Instagram, I actually have to put a block on how many people we can take on in a month. And that's 10, 10 paid for client bookings a month. And then the rest go on a waiting list. So yeah, I think that's a really big win that I never actually thought about until recently as well. Because although, although it's me investing my time, I'm not paying thousands and thousands a month to generate these leads. Absolutely. And I think from your side as well, you are so real and authentic and you're very much you, aren't you? And that's the the image that people are attracted to. And, you know, not only are you really lovely and approachable and tell it as it is, but you've got this wonderful wealth of knowledge and expertise in the bank as well. So you're almost like the, the, winning, the winning package, aren't you? Which is so fabulous no I just think it's wonderful and for people that like me who aren't in the financial world at all you are such a breath of fresh air of explaining things you know you talk about pensions you talk about ices you talk about things that we all need to know about but we just get completely scared about because there's no hub to go to to sort of explain it and we need a you to almost just translate it a little bit as it were but I want to talk about your work with women now obviously you work a lot with women do you work primarily with women or is it a bit of both when I look at my client base it's actually 40% men and so um which I think is really interesting and but if you delve deeper into the numbers women are usually the primary driver for a, a heterosexual couple to get invo- um, to get in touch with me usually the women are the main breadwinners or they're taking the main sort of the, the financial lead which i suppose is a bit different to what a, a regular financial advisor might see um but also when i look at um the men that i have in my client base there are a lot from the creative industries, but there are also a lot of people who are fund managers, accountants, people who you think would typically come from that alpha male environment, whereas they don't fit their mould in, in their industry. Um, and they come to me for advice as well, which is always lovely. Well, it's lovely that people in my industry will come to me for advice. But I think what we all, what they all have in common is, yeah, they're not that alpha male person. They're um, well, they're nice people. I think that's what everyone's got in common in my client base. So there literally isn't one person that I don't like. That, and I, I guess you couldn't really work with anyone that you didn't. It must be very challenging. And I think that's, well, that's what always makes me happy because I have had awful clients in the past um, and, and they do really make your life a misery. For some reason, colleagues being mean to you, 
does it's water off a duck's back to me but a client being mean feels really really personal and so along the way I've just had to um, give those clients away or sadly part with them um, and set myself a really clean boundary of who is going to who is going to be a client because essentially I need to come to work every day and be really happy yeah and it's such a personal relationship isn't it you know you're part of their planning their future their you know you maybe have to have very tough chats with them at times I imagine don't you yeah and, and I think that's the bit that I thought about when I was a financial advisor that well I didn't think about because you'll often be the first time that it's one of the first people to know that they're having a baby or I talk so much about fertility issues IVF freezing eggs all of those things that I never thought that a financial advisor would have to know about. You, you really get to understand the dynamics within someone's wider family. Are they going to inherit money from their parents, the health of the parents? You, you get, to, yeah, you just know more, more than I would say some friends would know. Yeah, and what a special privilege in a way that is to be able to be trusted into that circle. Um, and people are seeking you out to do that. It's incredible. Um, what are your plans looking to the future? Because there's only one of you, right? How, unless you clone yourself, how are you going to manage it? Well, I do have really big goals and dreams, and I've definitely identified two or three people in the industry where I think they are a younger version of what I was like. So hopefully nice, ethical, do the right thing, got their head screwed on, so can do the numbers part of the job um but are hungry ambitious want to learn will want to please clients so i've definitely now in this last 12 months earmarked that um earmarked those people that i think can grow help me grow the business which is really exciting that's fantastic so we're very excited for them and what an opportunity they've got to be mentored by you and to be brought up and hopefully we'll eradicate this archaic male chauvinistic bullshit that we've all had to put up with everything crossed you know um i want to talk to you a bit about collaboration and, and network and and tribe because we met years and years ago at sister snog the wonderful sister snog which was in, is incredible um you know and it was really imperative for me at that time and very important for my business to have this tribe of women and i think you felt the same i think we both shared the story of when we we both walked into our very first one and were so overwhelmed with the the talent and the the wealth of incredible women there um and it's been so vital to to my growth certainly and i'm sure yours how much of a focus and how much of importance do you sort of place on it so I think Sister Snog and just networking in general was hugely important for, well, to give me the courage to be myself in an industry that really didn't want me to be. I definitely wouldn't have had Miss Lolly. Um, that was an idea that was brainstormed over many glasses of wine on one of our first Friday lunches. And like, even the name was thought up, up by um, one of my friends from Sister Snog, the website's done by someone from Sister Snog. People like you are always helping me with progressing Sister Snog. So I think it, it gave me the confidence. It even gave me the idea, I could say. But also having this wider network gave me access to people who could do things for me in a way that I couldn't do to help um, build that brand for myself. Yeah, definitely. And I completely agree. It just gave 
me that confidence and and sometimes when you need that conversation or that that cheerleading it, it's there isn't it and you know this is something in Hotsy Totsy that I'm so happy about is the fact that you know these women are so cheerleading it's not just in Hotsy Totsy I think it's in life right women 99% of the time want to cheer other women on and those that don't are our friends anyway you know and it's just such a powerful thing isn't it and I think Sadly, men just don't get that in, in the waves and droves that we do, which is pre pretty sad, I think. I think, though, that you, you for Hotsy Totsy and Sister Snog also should realise that what you've created isn't ordinary, um, because I've done many, many um, networking events where I just think, just get me out of here now. <laughs> <laughs> and and so so maybe we, we're too used to that um friendship element of networking the fun element of network and the sort of i've got your back element of network rather than here's my card how many clients mm. yeah yeah you're right you're right because i've had some horrors and pretended i needed a wee and legged it totally <laughs> and um but it's it's finding that tribe isn't it and and you you sort of get the energy straight away of what's right and what's not and i think just meeting like-minded women is everything isn't it and and women that have got the same values and the same outlook is so imperative and I can't thank you enough for all your support with Hotsy Totsy you've been absolutely incredible so you know you're a legend but um how can people find you how can people get in touch with you get on your waiting list because you can't quite take people right now <laughs> get in the queue now on the website, which is misslolly.com, there's a free ISA guide. And that ISA guide you can download. Um, there's no catch. It's just there because I was. I, I just think it's really important that women start that investment journey. Um, even if it's with just 50 quid, 100 quid a month, it's important to start. So all the information you need to do it yourself is on that guide. Um, so that's misslolly.com. And then my almost, I say almost because the task is... <laughs> daily still haven't done my daily task today um but um uh, my instagram is miss lolly money um and that's where i do most of my content yeah and it's honestly fabulous you just break down so much stuff and do you feel on the whole that women are getting a bit more I don't want to use the word savvy because it makes out they weren't savvy before, but you know they're a bit more in tune with their financial well-being than ever before. So there was an article in the Financial Times this weekend was talking about how financial advisors need to have a completely different service for women. And I just think it's really wrong. Like, even if I think back to my grandma in her times in a working class um, town, she would have been in charge of the envelopes of money. Women are good with money. Like, it, it it's not that... It, we're not bad with money. I don't know where this myth has come from. I think society on the whole is bad with money and women um, allow themselves to say <laughs> when they're not very good. It's so frustrating the amount of times where I speak to a man about money and they think they're nailing it and I don't know quite how to break that heart, their heart and say they're not. But I think we as a society aren't good, um, good at money, but women definitely are extraordinarily capable. I just think it needs perhaps it, the whole industry needs to speak to us today in a new language. Yeah, I totally agree. And we're sadly, as women, we're a bit more self-deprecating, aren't we? We're the first to say sorry. We're the first to apologise when someone walks into us. Annoying. Um, so it's people like you that are leading the charge that we really need as those, um, you know, those thought leaders and those spearheading the fact that women are bloody amazing at everything. Of course we are. 
we're the future. We don't need men in the end. And I think so too, that some parts of it that are bad, the fact that we do try to do everything does give us the gender pay gap, the gender pension gap, the gender investment gap. That's not because we're bad at money. It's because we're too busy caring for everyone else, which leads to these gaps. Um, and and as, as a little tip, um, Fidelity did some research that showed if women just put 1% extra in their pension, they could close that gender pension gap. Crikey, just 1%. That's incredible, isn't it? And you're absolutely right. We are juggling so many balls. Society lets us juggle all these balls. There's a bigger, huger conversation that needs to happen. And it has to start with you, doesn't it? And with your partners, with your, you know, what you're doing in your parental sharing, what you're doing in your flexible working, etc. But there's a big hill to climb. But I think everybody's getting their um, their heads on for it, aren't they? Yeah, ready. <laughs> We are bloody ready, exactly. But honestly, thank you so much for joining me today, my love. And please, please follow Lisa. Please follow Miss Lolly. It's incredible what you do. So thank you, my love. And see you very soon. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Hotsy Totsy podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Hotsy Totsy is a female-only membership club for women who are walking their own walk and are spirited, fun and fabulous to come together and enjoy a range of bespoke and exclusive events. Please do give us a follow on Instagram at hotsy underscore totsyers and find out more on the Hotsy Totsy website, which is hotsy-totsy.co.uk. Thank you.